This is Christy. And I'm Jenna, and this is Badass Moms. Badass. If your kid ain't mud, and you don't know what to do, and your neighbors judge, and your in-law shitty too, pour tequila in your coffee. Don't go run and ask your mommy. And together we'll break it down to find a clue. Ask the badass moms like a badass mom would do. We're here for you. And ladies, welcome back to the Badass Moms podcast. We hope you guys had a great holiday break. I definitely did for the most part. How about you, Christy? Pretty good. Jingle jangle. I'm ready for 2021. Real quick note, I couldn't find Jingle Jangle at Trader Joe's and my heart was literally broken because it is the best thing that they make, but people stock up on it. Have you guys ever had Jingle Jangle? No, I don't know about the Jingle Jangle. It's like a, it's like a tin that they have and there's like different chocolate things in there. So it's like chocolate pretzels, like, and just lots of chocolate covered things uh, and it's delicious, but it's not good for you and you could like eat the whole thing. All right, guys. So as always, Jenna Lou, now that you've heard me tell you about my love of jingle jangle, one <laughs> half of the Badass Moms podcast with me as always is my beautiful co-host, Christy Mirabello. Yes. Hello. 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 And we have a special guest. Yay! So everybody welcome Zena. Welcome Zena. So this, the next couple of episodes, we're going to take the time to talk about some interesting relationships. So last week you had heard me talk about my ex-husband asking me for an open relationship and me saying, nah, I'm all set with the one penis. But now we're going to talk to some people that have different types of relationships because we realized that there were so many interesting different uh, life choices out there, lifestyles, and we want to explore those and yeah. let you guys, you know, learn a little more and just normalize different, you know, types of sexual relationships because everything's normal if it's what you feel in your heart and your pants. So <laughs> Zia has... Um, agreed to tell us a little bit about her story. So Zena is both pansexual and polyamorous. So thank you again, Zena. And why don't you tell us a little bit about um, just how this sort of came to be, like your evolution, like how you realized who you were and how you got to the place you are today. Sure. Um, I, I like that you use the term evolution. I, I do visualize polyamory and, um, you know, sexual orientations kind of like Pokemon, like you start at one level and then you kind of grow a little bit based on how, how you deal with things and what environment you're in and things like that. But polyamory for me um, became more prevalent uh, the more that I lived my truth. I grew up overseas and it was a huge struggle to build and maintain relationships because we would be moving every couple of years um, and so when I started realizing in my later teens, early 20s, that I really just enjoyed having a lot of people in my orbit, but that I also enjoyed developing very unique relationships with those people within that orbit, um, I learned uh, around the time I was about 21, 22, that there was a name for that, um, and that it wasn't cheating. It was called polyamory. And What year um, was this? This was 2009. 
was a okay. while ago, 2009. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so it, it, what it, what really ended up happening with it was as I realized that different cultures, languages, ways of expressing oneself was my normal. I also came to realize again, around in that 2009, 2010, um, you know, and I started going out more. That's when I turned 21. I was able to experience more people. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a tame, tame term for it, experiencing people. Well, right? actually, re real quick, before you go any further, and I realize we neglected to do this, why don't you explain to people, just real quick, one sentence, what polyamory is and what it means to be pansexual? Absolutely. So polyamory is, in essence, um, developing different relationships with different individuals. Um, all individuals are aware and consenting to said relationships. And so um, that is what makes it different from monogamous relationships where there is just one single um, bond between two people and nobody else outside of that. And um, does that have, is that just emotional, sexual, all of the above and or? That is one of the biggest questions that we get asked. Um, and unfortunately, the answer is it's whatever you want it to be, okay. as long as everybody is aware. Um, so as long as there is consent and as long as there are uh, people who are willing to communicate, that is what makes the biggest difference. Um, so for example, I have two romantic and sexual partners and I have one platonic partner. Um, and we share the same amount of, I, I guess, mutual joy and respect for each other, but it, it looks different um, for each of them. Can you um, explain real quick, I'm sorry, so the person that you're in a platonic relationship with, how does that differ from the other two people you're in a relationship with? So the so I call her my Duramore, kind of like, you know, you see Duraflame out at like the giant or whatever, it burns brightly and forever. So. Um, Duramores are people who are a part of your life in a very fixed way, but you kind of grow together, like you feed each other and in um, an emotional way. Um, and that's pretty much it. What makes that different is um, the way that we met. Um, we met in a Facebook group where she was struggling with something and I responded to a post and she just found my response to be very insightful. And so then we just started talking and then we found we had a lot in common, but there wasn't like a sexual spark or anything of that nature. Uh, she also lives in Florida. So we've never met in person ever, yeah. <laughs> but we've been dating for two years. Um, but That's you know, cool. I call, we call each other on birthdays. She knows my kids. She was willing to come up to Maryland and help with the distance learning as soon as she heard that schools had closed. So again, there's that closeness in terms of developing that relationship, but it goes beyond just like, this is my best friend. Um, or, or yeah, anything. that's what I was wondering. So it, you do, there are those romantic feelings involved. Right. Okay, gotcha. Awesome. All right, back to 21-year-old Zena. Tell <laughs> us, you at the club, experiencing all the people. Um, well, I guess the, the best way to keep it on, you know, keep it on topic was that um, I just, I realized that I, I have the potential, I have a lot of emotional capital. And for a lot of people just in relationships, uh, that's, that's a struggle no matter what type of dynamic you're in for some people. Mm -hmm. But with me, it's just, I had this, this overflowing amount. And you know, sometimes giving that just to one person for them was actually really overwhelming. And so what I realized was there's a group of people that are like, hey, it's cool that you give me 
exactly what I need for this. And if there's a part that's not working for us, you can totally give that to someone else. And I don't, I don't feel bad. And I'm like, oh my gosh, really? That's a thing? Oh, wow. <laughs> um, and it, it works out. It, it works out for me just because, um, again, having grown up overseas and not being able to develop those relationships, um, uh, you know, when I, when I was growing up as, as a kid, being able to develop them in my adult life was actually a lot more meaningful. Um, again, because I knew more or less what I wanted. I knew I wanted to be a parent at some point. Um, and so, you know, it was, it's, it's easier to find groups of people that maybe want either, they either want to have kids or they like being around other people's kids, um, but not necessarily having their own, but being able to share that family dynamic. And it does create, it does create a community and a village um, that, that has a little bit more of a tether. Um, and, you know, I mean, people are obviously free to leave at any time, right? But, um, you know, there's, uh, there, there's just a lot more communication that goes into it and um, more, I don't want to say responsibility, but accountability is the word for that. So once you discovered that this was something that you could, that was a good fit for you, how, what was your first polyamorous relationship like? Like, how did the, how did it work? How did you broach the topic? How did you lay out the rules if there are any rules? So this is back like when you first started. Sure. Um, so one of the really great things that I've loved about um, polyamory is this difference between rules and boundaries. And the way we talk about it is that rules are things that you set for other people to control their behavior. Boundaries are things that you do for yourself to allow other people to make the choice as to whether or not they want to be a part of that. And if your boundaries align with other people's boundaries, then you're all set. Um, people, um, I would say, you know, would, would think about rules in sort of this way that they're unilateral, but that, you know, projects a little too much control uh, for, for me personally. Um, my first poly relationship uh, was a what is traditionally called a unicorn situation, wherein there was a married couple that I knew from going to a going to a bar. It's the uh, the Pirates Tavern, the the old Pirates Tavern in Silver Spring, and um, I really enjoyed spending time with both of them. And they then told me that they were polyamorous. They had other partners, even though they were married to each other. They saw other people. Um, and this was a situation where they said, you know, we are, we live together, married to each other. We would eventually like to have kids, but, you know, we're not really sure how that would work. Um, I grew up with an education background. I'm still in education. And I was like, you know, if you guys want to do the kid thing, I will happily date both of you. And if you end up having a kid, I will stay home so you can keep working. And they were like, oh, this is amazing. And it just, it felt good all around. Um, and so that does sound pretty awesome. I'm gonna be honest. Um, un unfortunately, you know, some people, you know, when you go into some of the poly groups, like you get those people, we call them unicorn hunters, where they literally drop into a group and they say what's called looking for a third for that particular dynamic. And um, it's not, it's, it's, it's frowned upon unless that person is willingly going in. Like I said, I would like to do it, but um, other people kind of get roped in un unintentionally, but. So uh, why is that a unicorn situation? Like what makes that unique? So typically it's what's called a closed triad, meaning that I would then not be able to date outside of the two of them. Like would I'm, they be able to date other people? They would, but I would not. 
And you and you're fine. You were fine with that. That's all good, right? For me at the time, I was totally fine with it. I mean, I was I was 21 years old. Right. <laughs> like I'm not trying. Yeah, you were just like getting into it. It's hard to be like, okay, well then I'll also date other people because then that's a time. It's a time commitment to figure it all out. Totally. Google Calendar is you know our best friend in the poly community. So <laughs> a lot of jokes about that. But um, and that was fine for me. And they they in particular were not looking to seriously date a lot of other people. Um, they were they're also they were also a part of the gaming and the kink community. So there was an entirely separate mm -hmm. aspect to it. But in terms of the committed relationship to growing a family together, that was a closed triad between the three of us. Okay. Um, so that's that I was totally okay with. Um, and so then dating both of them literally sounds exactly what it, sorry, sounds exactly what it is. Um, you know, I would go on dates with the male partner and I would go on dates with the female partner. Um, I was more I personally was more sexually attracted to the female partner that did not bother the male partner. Um, but he, you know, but we all did on occasion engage in some group sexual activity, but it was not, it, it was, was mostly not, separate. Yeah. It was not a condition. Um, and did so you ever go out like as a, like with all three of you out, like on the actual dates? Sometimes, um, like if it was a movie we all really wanted to see, or if it was um, a game night, or if it was Ren Fair. You know things like that we would all go out as a as a triad which was really nice um yeah so are there you know i've you know you mentioned like the pirates tavern so are there like the hot spots where polyamorous or whatever do hang out in different areas are there signs you know i used to live in virginia and people say they'd leave out a white rock for to attract other swingers or certain things like are there are there things you know of that sort? In, you in, have a giant bowl of keys the, by your front door. In the community. Brooms, you leave a broomstick on the front door, right? <laughs> no, um, it's, it's, it's an interesting question only because, um, you know, polyamory has been around for forever, but it's, it's very similar to the LGBTQ community where, you know, you'd be asked those questions about like, where do you go, you know, to meet guys? Oh, you go as a single woman to a gay club, you know, something like that. I don't know. Right. <laughs> like, um, uh, it, it really does depend. Hot, the hotspot does, the, the overlap tends to be more with um, the kink community. So, um, and I, I don't think calling it the, a fetish community is necessarily accurate. So kink is just a little bit more umbrella. Okay. Um, there's more overlap there just because in the kink world, when you have uh, people that you play with, um, they're not necessarily romantic partners. So sometimes what happens is folks who are polyamorous, they may have committed relationships within their, with their people, but then outside of that, they, they play with others and find other ways to, um, that they commit to those individuals. Um, I, I would say that's the biggest thing. I wouldn't say necessarily like, you know, how we Talk about DuPont Circle as one area or right. Shaw as another area, uh, Noma, you know, there, it doesn't. It's online. It's mostly where it is now. Online a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and each, I mean, each um, part, and especially in Montgomery County, um, there's a chapter in Silver Spring, and then there are chapters in the Gaithersburg Rockville area, and then there's chapters in Baltimore. That's a really big one. And so, um, you know, so it really just depends. Um, I would say it, it typically tends to cluster in the more um, densely populated areas, so more the cities. Right. Um, that's mostly a people thing, but it's also a mindset thing. You, you don't really see this out in like Hagerstown. Polyamorous right. uh, <laughs> farmers, it would yeah. be so good. Not so popular out in the farmland, huh? Yeah. Okay, so quick follow-up question. So you had mentioned that you don't think fetish is the 
accurate word and that kink is more of the umbrella term. So can you get uh, delve into that a, a little bit further for me? Because I mean, I think of a site like FetLife, which I'm sure a lot of people go on. Do people in your community, are they not, do they not like FetLife because of um, just the terminology or how does that sort of work? No, that, that's a really good question. Um, so it's not that they don't like FetLife. In fact, FetLife is one of the places where you will find uh, polyamorous folks in droves, but it's mostly because it's one of the only sites that allows you to choose that you are polyamorous in terms of wanting to talk to others or engage with other people. So like if I hop on eHarmony, uh, I'm, I'm pretty certain that, you know, polyamorous isn't going to pop up. Um, <laughs> OkCupid is sort of a level down. You can, you know, post that you are polyamorous or looking for polyamory, but those are really the only two. Uh, Match.com doesn't have it. So, so FetLife can be used a little bit more in terms of just finding a like-minded community. Um, a lot of the groups in there, you know, do talk about, you know, within different um, specific fetishes. So I would say fetish is a subset of kink. So I wouldn't necessarily say I have a, you know, a, a, a pet fetish, but I do enjoy um, engaging in, in what is called primal play with uh, one of my partners where we have very animalistic tendencies, but it's not like I'm obsessed with cats or dogs or anything like that, which is where fetish tends to, to come down. Um, I need more, like not too graphic, but give me a little bit more details on what that looks like do you guys like bite each other and like growl and hot yep good for you there are so there are chase scenes um so we have every year there's um a winter festival and a summer festival and they're called camps and so it's just a space where you know sex positive consent positive people go and you can engage in whatever um kink you're interested in and and for folks who play primarily we actually have a hunt where you know um, <laughs> I hate to say it this way, but like in the Hunger Games where like you have your different colors and if you are prey, you're one color. And if you're mm -hmm. a hunter, you're another like color. A whole, and a whole thing. It's whole, a whole, whole thing. It's, whole it's really cool. It's fun. Awesome. It's like yeah. camp, but like with sex. That's fun. Yeah. Sex Love it. Okay. <laughs> cool. So <laughs> I do want to ask, uh, how many children do you have? I have uh, two children of my own. Uh, one of my partners has a child of their own. And so I have three children, but only two of them live with me. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. And, and how, how is that, you know, I'm sure the question comes up with, with parenting. And I mean, obviously I would assume you're open with the children and all of that. And, you know, what questions do you get even on that? And, and, does it look differently or it's just part of, you know, it's just part of your story and it's been a pretty easy ride as far as parenting in this way? I think the big divide comes up when the more, when the more sexual aspect comes up, not that it comes up with the children, but right. you know, um, they see mommy and daddy they're you know in that but they don't see mommy with someone else and it's like but wait a minute there's in all the books i'm reading it's mommy and daddy and that's it and that's who does those things i'm very so that's really where the confusion comes in uh confusion for the children comes in um and i, I put confusion in quotes because you know all children are still learning right so it's not like they're confused about anything they're just this isn't what i've been seeing and so I'd like to learn more. And so I'm right. going to ask these questions. Yeah. Um, How old are they? Uh, so my children are five and eight. Um, and my bonus daughter is eight as well. 
So do they have like an understanding or it's like they're still too young to put it together? So they're like, well, these are like, because in their head, they don't have these preset judgments of, of how life is supposed to be. So like, what do they refer to your uh, partners as? Like, how does that sort of work? Do they ask you questions where sometimes you're like, I don't know how to answer that and it's weird? No, uh, not, I mean, nothing's ever weird. If something isn't developmentally appropriate, I just say, I can't answer that for you right, right. now, or that's not appropriate right now. Um, I'm going to take that. I was <laughs> for my own daughter. I'm like, please. be like, I don't know, Google it. <laughs> no, um, each of my partners has a way that they refer prefer to be referred to as it's the same way that anyone would ask you know you have two sets of in-laws you know typically and so mm -hmm. it's someone's Gigi and someone else's grandma like that's just how that works oh, glamma <laughs> oh that's what I want to be known as yeah and so sometimes when I want to be specific you know at the very beginning when I had start when I would start dating people um you know if they weren't going to be a part of the family dynamic uh, they just call that person by their first name the same or like Mr. So-and-so or Miss So-and-so the, the way they would even if they met like a new teacher right mm -hmm. um, but a person who becomes a part of our dynamic um, so my live-in partner prefers to go by his first name uh, and then my uh, non my non-nested partner so that's someone who doesn't live with me um, they prefer to go by uh, mama and then their first name. So tell us about after that first relationship how long did that last and where did you go from there? So um, it lasted about three or four months because then I met the person who I ended up marrying. Uh, that person knew that um, I, you know, I'd said at the very beginning when I started dating them, I am polyamorous. This is what that means. And they were like, cool, which <laughs> can be a very typical response, especially from, uh, from uh, male folks. And again, it's not to demonize anybody, but again, the way that polyamory does tend to be viewed, particularly by um, male-bodied individuals, is hooray threesomes. That's right. Right. So um, sounds you know. reasonable. <laughs> Why do you want to piss off more than one woman? Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm kidding. That's terrible. Disappoint, disappoint more than one woman. Yeah. Um, so, um, so then uh, I ended up, uh, so then I did get pregnant from that person and we decided we were gonna get married and I had an extensive conversation with my partners at the time and it was very amicable. They knew I was dating him, they knew, and, and again, there, because there weren't any necessarily rules for me, I was still doing, or boundaries, sorry, there were no rules for me because rules are not a thing, but I had set my boundaries in such a way that I said, if there's someone that I click with, I would like to just engage in that, but they're not a part of the big, family dynamic necessarily. And again, I'm, you know, 22 year old me, I wasn't doing what I, I wasn't being as careful as I should have. And, um, and that happened. And so there was no bad blood. I'm still friends with both of them, um, even to this day. So that's nice. They know of the kids, they, you know, they sent me baby shower gifts and everything. It was really lovely. Wait a um, minute. Okay. So you wanted to explore like a relationship with your ex-husband. Right. And they were okay with that, mm -hmm. but the problem is you got pregnant, and then it was like, so okay, then, then yep. it became too much or whatever, and so you parted ways. Then, basically, yeah, that is exactly what happened. And what was nice about that was because there was trust, and because there was very open communication, it wasn't this um, 
It was not this dynamic where they felt betrayed or they felt like I wasn't following the rules. You know, I was doing- You asked. Uh, yeah, I wanted to do. And I said, is this, it, you know, are, are we good? And they said, yeah, you know, and, and I gave them the choice as well. I said, look, we can all do the thing that he can move in, you know, stuff like that. And they were like, you know, this was the dynamic that we preferred. If that's not how that's gonna be, then we would prefer not to. And it's like, okay. We're all meeting at the same space and we just, we parted ways amicably. It was, it was really. That's nice. It's very mature. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And um, so then I, I was married for eight years, uh, well, nine officially, but um, about halfway through my marriage, um, you know, other issues, other issues came up. And um, because of the dynamic, I started to feel I, I started to feel like I, I needed to explore again, not because, um, oh, what's the best way to put it? Um, it wasn't because I needed to, you know, get out there and, and do more. It was, I, I wasn't happy. Um, and unfortunately for a lot of people, they do turn to polyamory when they are unhappy, not knowing anything about polyamory. They're like, this is a way to fix my marriage. And right. that's, not that's a way to leave your marriage if you're thinking of it that way for sure yes. so were you monogamous with your husband at this point i was yeah so you weren't happy at that, in that dynamic mm -mm. and that's yeah. really what sealed the deal for me was i needed to go back to surrounding myself with people that understood that and to be honest uh you know 10 years you know 10 years ago in 2009 there were not a lot of people married couples especially talking about polyamory it's definitely a lot more open now there are absolutely more couples out there, married couples who do talk about having open marriages. But, you know, 10 years ago, if you had told me that there was, I felt that the couple I was with were very rare, very unique. Um, but it was just that they were willing to talk about it, not that other people weren't out there. Um, and I think now, so too, people are a lot more respectful of differences, relationship differences as a general statement. In general, yeah. Yeah, people are much more understanding and less less judgmental. And maybe that's just because we live in such a densely packed area, so there's so many different types of relationships and, and you know, types of sexuality mm -hmm. um, and gender and, and things of that nature that it just, people don't mind as much, from my experience, but I'm not living in it. So from your experience, do you feel that people are mostly understanding these days? Are they judge, judgmental? Like, how has that been for you in terms of just living your everyday life? You know, and, and that's really about what, what I started talking about in terms of living my truth, right? Um, the more open one can feel within their own community and finding their tribe, the less they find people being judgmental. Because if you're, if you want to be around open-minded people, open-minded people will start becoming a part of your circle. And so, it's, it's almost one of those weird, like our behavior is influenced more when we're being watched kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I wouldn't necessarily say that in general, the population is more understanding. It's just, I've started living in such a way that the people I'm starting to naturally attract are people who are open-minded about it and want to know more from a non-judgmental space. So it's a little skewed, but, um, but that no, makes me happy. I think that's, <laughs> I think that's great. And I think that's almost with anything, right? Like the more you live in alignment with who you truly are, I mean, whether it's sexually or just your beliefs about this or that, mm -hmm. um, your spiritual journey, whatever it is, when you're in alignment like that, that is when you just attract like-minded people, right? Because if you're trying to put on a front or this or that or hiding. People know when you're fake. And yeah, so exactly. Living your truth is the perfect way to put it. And that's, then you do, you get to surround yourself with 
like you said, those people who accept you and want to know more and you're, you know, once in a while, we'll probably always get a bad apple here or there, you know, that'll pop in. Drop them. That's that's great. That's, that's a beautiful way to live. So yeah, there's lots of good apples in the tree, all the rotten ones at the bottom. They're (laughs) dead to me. All right. So real briefly, just tell us what pansexual means. Sure. So pansexual is a way to describe somebody who does not feel that anyone's gender prevents them from being sexually or emotionally attracted to them. So whether a person has male body parts, female body parts, decides that they don't want to talk about their body parts, if that person is attractive, it's it's cool and and it's a person. Right? <laughs> That's the other thing is it's a person. Um, because the way that pansexual pansexuality does tend to be described is that um, it's you know being attracted to everything and it's like I'm not looking at this mouse and going like oh baby okay like that's not that's the hot mouse yeah no not not a thing um (laughs) you know and there I like the way you click no (laughs) click here (laughs) um you know and so a lot of folks feel that it is more inclusive than the term bisexuality because bisexuality implies that there are only two genders to which you can be attracted to um I do not believe that one is better than the other. I describe myself as pan because that feels more comfortable to me. Um, there are folks who are bi, but I do not view them as, you know, oh no, you're not being inclusive. Like if you only want to recognize two genders and those are the two you're attracted to, that is totally your thing. Uh, stay over there. You're attracted to the person, not the gender. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep That's yep. awesome. Okay, cool. Hmm. So. Yeah, this was actually really, really informative. So before we wrap up here and let you get back to your beautiful life, can you give us any, not advice, can you give any tips to people who are listening for how they can learn more, read more if they're interested in sort of maybe discovering this for themselves? And also anything that you want people to know about, um, not necessarily being pansexual, that's pretty I guess cut and dry at the end of the day, um, but more about polyamory that you would you wish people knew that you want to get out there into the world so that maybe there's misinformation that you constantly hear about and you're over that shit and you want people to know. Lay it out. Oh boy. Okay. So let's start with the with with the the first piece. The first piece is that um, I highly recommend a book called Poly Secure. It is it is actually very it's very new and a lot of the groups that I'm a part of, we're doing that as part of our book club. Um, it is very different than some other, what we would call the, you know, the Bibles for, for parenting, right? It's, you know, um, oh, I was going to say how to lose a guy in 10 days. That's not correct. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> that movie was stupid. It was so bad. Relationship fern, whatever, man. Um, for, uh, for pregnancy, it's, um, oh, what know, to expect. Thank you. What to expect what? when you're expecting. See, that's how long it's been since I've been expecting. Yeah. So we have our own version of that. And uh, those two books are called More Than Two and The Ethical Slut. Those have been around for since the 80s. It's kind of the Bible that we go by when we recommend it. But Polysecure, I feel, is a better, it's a book just designed for this generation and what people are looking for when they look for relationships. Um, It talks more about how you can look at yourself in terms of what you're looking to get out of a relationship and then the phases of how polyamory works or doesn't work for you within that. Um, But it's more centered and focused on the emotional aspects of it as opposed to um, 
the ethical slut and more than two, which is more about how do I break free from this monogamous way of thinking? That's really what those two books were more focused on. This one is, I'm not sure if I'm poly and I would like to explore more about myself and then how that you know, comes out in the people that I meet and, and that I think that's more helpful. Um, and especially for your listeners, I think you've got a lot of very self-aware people. So I think yes, that's um, <laughs> and we'll we'll put that up um, yeah. in, the show, in the show notes as well. Yeah, we'll put that in there. Thank you so much. Uh, this yeah. is fascinating, fascinating, and um, thank you for being open and talking to us about this. This is great, and also uh, Zena, if you'd like to stick around, we're going to do our moms in the news, and it's it's re- relevant to what we're talking about. Hooray! Ooh. All right. So you're going to sing me out, Christy? Mom's in the news. Where's that one? That was great. That was great. All right. So this is actually back from July. Uh, Zena, you actually may already know this, but I didn't. But Massachusetts City officially recognizes polyamorous relationships. I do. So, yeah, the city of Somerville, Massachusetts has passed an ordinance making it one of the first cities in the nation to officially recognize polyamorous relationships. So the city no longer limits the number of people included in a partnership. The change, which was unanimously passed by the city council last week, and I love that it was unanimously passed, required only a minor shift in language. Instead of defining a relationship as an entity formed by two persons, Somerville now legally defines it as an entity formed by people. Isn't that really cool? It's amazing. Um, I remember when they first put that story out, and I was, you know, I was excited only because it's the first time that it looked like it had teeth to it, because so many other places have talked about it. But this one, it looked like it had been well thought out. So I was really excited. Yeah. And interesting, this article states too, it's estimated that four to five percent of people living in the United States are currently participating in polyamorous relationships or what's otherwise known as consensual or ethical non-monogamy. I like that term. It's very nice. Mm-hmm. A practice in which partners maintain more than one sexual or romantic relationship with each other's knowledge and consent. For comparison, that means non-monogamy is about as prevalent as the number of Americans who identify as LGBTQ, which is estimated to be about 4.5% of the American population. Love me some stats. <laughs> I love stats. Yay, stats. But anyways, guys, we'll pop that um, on Facebook so you can take a little look-see. And again, thank you, Zena. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah. Welcome. Thank you both for having me. Really appreciate it. Bye. Thank you. Bye, Zena. Come follow us on Facebook and Instagram at BadAskMoms. Email us at BadAskMoms at gmail.com. Follow Jenna at NoshingTheSuburbs. And Christy at Fierce Mama on Instagram and Fierce Mama Coaching on Facebook.